What's up, everybody? Welcome to Chi Alpha Online. Hit the subscribe button, smash like. We just want you to know that wherever you are right now, that we love you, we miss you, and we're looking forward to being with you again. Would you pray with me as we get into the service? We love you, Jesus. Lord, we're grateful that we get to connect, even if it's not the way we want to, Lord. We pray right now that you would just prepare our hearts and our minds for what you're going to say through Scroggins. We love you, Jesus. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks so much for joining us again online. Um, it's a little bit different, isn't it? But that's okay. Uh, you may have noticed that worship looked a little bit different. That's because we didn't have the resources and the amazing mind of Brandon Whitford at San Angelo First helping us with our with our worship service. So, uh, yeah, we'll try and link up with him again if we can, because it looked really good and it sounded even better. But I'm just so grateful for y'all to join us and to continue to be a part of Chi Alpha, albeit through the computer, through the Internet. You know, it it's just crazy to think that it was just a few weeks ago that we were like high-fiving each other at will and and able to see each other and talk to people face to face and and not feel so quarantined. Also, something that happened a few weeks ago was missions trips. So over spring break, we got to send two teams out. One team went to West Texas and the other team went with my wife and I to New York City. Man, we had the best time in New York. We stayed in Queens, which is the birthplace of Spider-Man. And we got to ride the subway every day and meet all the really interesting people on the subway. One time, we got to rescue Isalem from two crazy people that cornered him on the subway. It was a lot of fun. And we were like, uh, get, off the, get off the subway now. Get off the subway now. And it wasn't even our stop. But it was fine. Another fun thing we got to do is go and see Nick and Stephanie Hansen at City College. And they are the kind alpha pastors there and this is like year zero for them they're starting with like one team member and and just getting things rolling and man that campus is beautiful it was like hogwarts or something it was the most beautiful campus i've ever seen in my life and incredible but the real reason we went to new york was to work with reggie and abelsa stutzman see they're pastors of real life church and one of the kind of outreach arms that real life church has is what they call the prodigal center and the prodigal center is like a, a food pantry and enclosed closet for people that are impoverished and and poor and and even homeless so reggie and abelsa are amazing people and i'm really glad that we got to work with them and got to serve them and we're praying that that continues into the future. But one of my favorite things on the whole trip was a t-shirt. The first night we were there, Reggie was wearing a black t-shirt that was really simple, had white writing, and it just said, the church has left the building. Man, I and I think I'm going to seek that shirt out on the internet and buy it or something, because I absolutely love that shirt. First thought was, hey, that's a funny like kind of play on Elvis has left the building. But then as I thought about it, I was like, man, that that shirt is really true. And I love it because it's true to who Reggie and Abelsa are, too. They are being the church on the streets of the Bronx. They're, they don't have a building, and they don't really need a building, because they can be the church where they are. So just keep that thought in your head as we move forward. So that's a cool phrase, and it's also a great way to live. But where do we find that in the Bible? So flip your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to start 
in verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law in the prophets. Some of us think that this is a verse that tells us that God is like some version of the genie from Aladdin. And if it was, he'd be the Robin Williams version, clearly not the Will Smith version. See, it seems to be implying that we can just ask for whatever we want, or we can look real hard for things that we desire and we will get them. That no obstacle should stand in our way because we can just knock on the door and it will open. This is not what the Bible is talking about at all. These verses are set near the end of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is the longest recorded speech we have of Jesus. And the thing that he's talking about throughout the entire Sermon on the Mount isn't what you get out of a relationship with God. It's not even close to that. What he's talking about is the kingdom of heaven. And not just the kingdom of heaven, but specifically how he is the embodiment of the kingdom of heaven. He's proclaiming God's rule on earth. See, Jesus here, he isn't talking about praying for the winning lottery ticket so our life can be better. He's not saying, ask to be the starting quarterback of your high school football team and you'll get it. He's not saying anything like that. What he's talking about seeking and finding, knocking and opening, asking and receiving, is the kingdom of God itself. And the scripture starting in verse 10 is really telling Jesus is implying that the kingdom of God is really good for us. He's saying that this is a gift that's so good. This is something that's so amazing. He's saying it's ridiculous to think that God wouldn't give us the kingdom if we asked for it. So we know the kingdom thing is really good. It sounds amazing. It sounds incredible, actually. And additionally, there doesn't seem to be any time constraints on the seeking, the finding, the asking and receiving, the knocking and opening. It just kind of seems to be an open-ended statement. But that seems really incongruent with the time that we're living in right now, where everything's about anxiety and fear, and we're separated from the people that we really love. How do we seek the kingdom now? I want to tell you a story about how two of my kids responded to a really stressful and scary situation. About six years ago, my wife got a job as a photographer for this little um, subdivision, this gated community down near Houston. They were really ritzy. So they hired my wife to be the photographer for their 4th of July parade and fireworks show. It was a really good gig for us because I got to show up with the kids and stand at the parade and, and you know those rich people handed out some really good candy. I mean, it was awesome. Well, the day goes on and it's July in Texas, so it's really hot, right? And we're all looking forward to the evening because not only does it cool off, but we also get to see the awesome fireworks show. Well, the whole day, I'm trying to prepare my children for what's ahead. But how do you explain to a small child, hey, there's going to be explosions 
hundreds of feet above your head, and they're going to be loud and bright and scary. There's no amount of preparation that you can do. So fireworks time comes. We go out onto the golf course because that's where everybody's hanging out. And I lay down the blanket and unload the kids. And we're all sitting there drinking water and waiting for the show to start. The show starts when the sun sets. And they're launching these fireworks up in the air and they're exploding in bright colors. And it's awesome. But my kids don't think that it's very awesome. So the first one goes off and they both like face hugger me like an alien. Have you seen that movie Aliens where it's just like, it's just like, that's what they did to me. I mean, oh, and I was holding them tight, trying to make them feel safe. And I just kept telling them, it's okay. You're safe. You're perfectly fine. You're okay. Look around at how beautiful the fireworks are. My daughter Finnegan decided the best place for her was to crawl under the blanket and hide from the fireworks. So she crawled underneath the blanket that we were all sitting on with her fingers plugged in her ears and cried through the whole fireworks show. But Donald, on the other hand, slowly relaxed. And as time went on, he let go of me and sat in my lap. And then he went from my lap to the ground and from the ground to standing at the edge of the blanket with his arms stretched in the air, trying to catch the sparks of the fireworks as they fell. It was amazing. We have two different reactions to the same situation. See, Finnegan, my daughter, was so terrified and so scared that she couldn't bring herself to trust the words of her father. She couldn't overcome the perceptions of the moment that she had, but her perceptions weren't reality. The reality was that she was perfectly safe. Donald found within himself the ability to trust the words of his father. And by the end of the night, he was enraptured by the awe and the wonder of a fireworks display. You see, Finnegan, if she saw anything, was through the cracks at the edge of a blanket, through tear-dimmed eyes, with ears plugged. But Donald was able to embrace the moment with arms outstretched, surrounded by awe and wonder, all because he was able to trust the words of his father. Now, this isn't like the power of positive thinking. I think what Donald displayed in that moment was what Jesus is kind of talking about in John chapter 5. Jesus says, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Have you ever seen a movie where the character kind of comes to a point in the plot and they're just like, I'm made for this moment. That's what Jesus is talking about. And that's what Donald felt in that moment with the fireworks. So no matter the circumstance, no matter what your perception of the world may be, the reality is the kingdom isn't far away. And if you trust what your father says, you can find it. And just like Donald, you'll be reaching for the heavens and letting the sparks of fireworks just dance on your fingertips. That doesn't sound like a bad place to be at all. You see, no matter what the situation is around you, if you trust the words of Jesus, if you trust the words of your father and seek for the kingdom in that moment, you will never come across a situation or circumstance where you don't feel completely made for it. 
because you are made for the kingdom. You see, that means there's nothing that you can go through where you won't feel completely at home if you seek for the kingdom, because the kingdom is your home. But God is so good. He does so much more than just ask us to find him. Tonight at dinner, um, we always have the kids pray over the food. It's just an attitude of gratitude. <laughs> See what I did? That we think that is really important for somebody's life. And now it's become such a cool thing that our, our boys will actually fight over who gets to pray, which kind of defeats the purpose. But what ends up happening is usually we have two or three blessings over a meal, which a uh, you know, a steak that's thrice blessed is thrice best. You know what I'm saying? But tonight, my son Henry said something really profound, but beautifully simple. While he was blessing his meal, he said, Jesus, I hope you had a good day. Huh. I wonder how many of us forget that Jesus is a person. How many times do we just treat him as if he were the genie from Aladdin? Or as if he was some kind of talisman that is supposed to make our lives easier or better or something to that effect. You see, the humanity of Jesus is something that we just forget. And sometimes we lose sight of the fact that God is a person. The Holy Spirit wants to be invited in. We can see this in Revelations chapter 3. In the letter to the church of Laodicea, Jesus says to them, I stand at the door and knock, and whoever opens, I will dine with him and he with me. You see, God is a person and he wants to be invited in your life, but he won't barge into your life. He will wait for you to ask him to join you. We also know from Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, where Jesus says, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. We know that when Jesus is describing how to live in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, He's not just giving us rules. He's actually describing the character of himself and his father in heaven. So, when you combine the two pictures we have from Matthew 5 and Revelation 3, we're getting a picture of a God that seeks after us. So, not only are we to seek the kingdom, but the kingdom is seeking after us. That humanizes the idea of God. He's not some mysterious being on a cloud throwing thunderbolts at the bad and throwing down halos on the good. No, he's nothing like that. He's a person that desperately wants to spend time with you. So we discover that not only are we to seek and find the kingdom, but that we are sought for and longed for and hopefully found by the kingdom. So it almost seems like we can't get away from him, even if we wanted to. And here's the reality. You can't. Psalm 139, verse 7 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. The psalmist is saying that no matter what, they can't escape God. They can't get away from his presence. And that's kind of the point. All of us are without excuse if we don't seek and be found by the kingdom. So way back in the beginning, Adam and Eve had a choice to make. 
They could either trust the words of their father and eat from the tree of life, or go with their own perceptions and eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And every day we find ourselves in little situations like this, don't we? Where we can choose for his kingdom, we can choose to seek him and find him, or choose to open the door and let him come into our lives, or not. So, are, are we seeking him? Are we doing our own thing? Are we trusting our own judgment and our own perception of our circumstances in the world around us? And that's a terrifying thought, because I know I don't make the right choice nearly as often as I would like to pretend. But here's the really crazy thing, is remember that knocking on the door thing? Well, Adam and Eve, even though they had just broken God's heart, and they were actively hiding from him, found themselves being pursued by God. It says that they heard his voice calling for them. Even though they fled, he wasn't far away. If we go back to Psalm 139 and keep reading, this is what the psalmist has to say. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. So you may be thinking, this is all well and good, Scroggins, but none of it matters if you can't tell me how to actually do it. And that's a valid point. So one time I was driving from Lubbock, Texas to Las Cruces, New Mexico. I don't know if you've ever made that drive, but there's nothing out there. There's not even like signs to let you know when you cross the border into New Mexico. But you know how I knew I was in New Mexico? the speed limit changed. And that's how you know you're in a new country or a new state. The laws change. So how do you open the door when Jesus is knocking? How do you know when you've found what you're looking for? Well, when it comes to the kingdom, you just follow its laws. So that's why this is such a simple yet profound thing. And that's why the kingdom is wherever you are. It's because the kingdom of God is about changing your heart and not changing your circumstances. So when you're in quarantine and, and you can't go outside and hang out with your friends like you used to, or, or you can't go and have quiet time at that coffee shop that you really love that probably doesn't exist in San Angelo, it's really easy to find the kingdom. You simply love and serve those that are around you. If that still sounds confusing to you and you're thinking, Scroggins, I don't even know what the rules are, take some time tomorrow to read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and then take some time to pray. And I promise you, it will become clear to you what you're supposed to do. The conflict comes in because we foolishly want to divide our life into what is sacred and what is not sacred. Sometimes we view our life as a giant pie and we think, to be holy, I have to give God the biggest slice. But let me tell you something. God doesn't deserve the biggest slice of your pie. He deserves the whole thing. But how does that even work? That doesn't make any sense. I can't just do ministry all day long. I have to like eat and sleep and clean my house. And, and I have things that I need to take care of just to stay alive. Our good friend A.W. Tozer says this. It's not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular. It is why he does it. The motive is everything. 
Let a man sanctify the Lord God in his heart, and he can thereafter do no common act. So when you're like, Scroggins, I can't seek the kingdom in my apartment. I have to clean. Let me ask you, will it take you any longer to do the dishes because Jesus is worth it than it does to do the dishes because your roommate told you to? I don't sweep my floors because I like my house really clean. I mean, I do like a clean house. I sweep my floors because God deserves my house to be clean. Because he's worthy of me taking care of the thing that he's blessed me with. And you see how all of the sudden it has turned this once menial task into a moment of worship. With every stroke of the broom, I'm saying, thank you, Jesus, for this house in my heart. All of the sudden, everything that we do has become effused with meaning. There's no more small acts in our life. There's no more menial tasks. There's no more little people. Every person and every act we do can be done for the kingdom of God. And it just comes down to my choices. Do I choose to seek the kingdom in my heart with everything that I do or not? So the choices before us, do we take the path of the first Adam and decide that our perceptions of the things around us are true and that things are terrible and there's no way that God can meet us or find us here? Or do we believe the words of our father and trust them like the last Adam? If we would just trust our father in heaven, who is so good to us, then our social distancing won't turn into spiritual distancing. And our quarantine in our house will turn a captivity into a cathedral. Hey, we love y'all and we miss you. I can't wait to see you again. But until then, I'm praying that each and every one of you will seek and find the kingdom wherever you are. That you will hear God knocking on your door so that you can open. I love you. We'll see you real soon.